Hey friend, welcome to the Clyde Podcast. I'm so glad that you hopped on. If you're new to this space, we release a podcast every single week and you can subscribe to it on all the platforms that podcasts are available. So make sure that you do that this week we're actually handing you part two of my conversation with Kirsten Van Wingerden, a therapist, where last week we talked about mother wounds and how to get healing for them. And this week we talk about how not to cause them. So if you're a mom today and you deeply care about your kiddo and you don't want the pain from your past to sneak up into your present and your future and impact and wound your kids, this interview is for you, friend. So check it out. Kirsten, you and I had such a fabulous conversation about mother wounds that I thought, man, can we take some more time to talk about how not to cause them? So for people who are hopping on to this part two of our time together and they're wanting to hear how not to cause mother wounds, can we first sort of define maybe what mother wounds are and how how they might be coming out in our lives, what they might look like so that if someone didn't hear part one, they can pick up in this conversation from that place? Yes, absolutely. Um, so a mother wound would be um, an emotional need that wasn't met as a child by your mother. A mother wound can be as simple as that, or it can be complex, right? So it can look like physical, emotional abuse. Um, a mother wound can look like a lot of different things. It can be from a mother who struggles with narcissism, borderline personality, uh, substance abuse. Um, like I said at the beginning, an emotional need that wasn't met as a child. Um, and what was that second part of the question again? Well, I'm kind of curious because I think a lot of moms who are tuning in to this part two of our conversation and they're going, man, I don't want to cause mother wounds. I had plenty of my own that my mom caused. I think they might be thinking, okay, like I'm not a drug addict. I'm not, you know, physically abusive. I'm not these things, but we're not necessarily thinking of kind of these sort of like more subversive ways that we can hurt our children. Can you give us some examples? You know, I don't know if they're like, you know, constantly making comments about you know, our kid's hair or what are some more subversive ways that we wound our children? Because I think a lot of people listening, like I said, are like, oh, I'm not like not feeding my kid or like not showing up to my kid's life. Right. 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 I mean, you can meet someone's all of their physical needs and not meet their emotional needs. And it almost has mm -hmm. the same impact. Right. Um, in different ways, but it shows that complex PTSD. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, you know, it can look at like uh, what I see showing up often is, um, you know, the need to be skinnier because they always heard mom saying awful things about her body, right? Like, oh, I just don't like the way I look in this. Um, oh man, if only I looked like you. Um, why don't you look like her? Oh, when you wear your hair like that, right? That doesn't really suit you. That doesn't really look good on you. 
um, what, you know, that's one example of really minimizing your daughter's or your child's worth to their physical appearance, right? So then they grow up believing that if the outside looks okay, then the inside must be okay too. And they're going to continue to make that outside look good, but the inside is just going to be more broken. Um, so that's, that's one way that it can show up. Um, and oftentimes that comes up because their own mother told them they needed to be skinnier, right? Like might've grown up with the idea of if you can pinch more than an inch, right? Like that kind of mindset and mentality that's really hurtful uh, towards Help us understand sort of like you called it in our part one, this sort of generational trauma. Um, sometimes I say generational dysfunction or generational sin or generational wounds, but it's like the passing on. Like I just shared in that episode with you about my grandmother's alcoholism that wounded my mother, my mother's alcoholism that wounded me. There's this sort of like... Uh, contagion almost that passes down and if you're not careful you don't even know you inherited it so how do we recognize man I think I inherited some wounds from my mother who might have inherited them from hers so I don't know if you've heard this before and I think it's becoming more like the public is starting to understand more about this but um and let's make sure I can get this right. When your mom was in your grandmother's womb, you were an egg inside your mom. And literally everything that impacted your grandmother impacted your mother in her womb and impacted you. So you are never, I think in our Western culture, we're really individualized, but that's not true. We are impacted by our family units and our family systems. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that that seems very conceptual, but if you think of studies like the Irish potato famine, uh, the women that gave birth during the famine, their babies had higher rates of obesity, higher rates of depression and anxiety, right? Because they struggled. And so I think it's important to know your family history, right? So you can understand how that mm -hmm. comes up. And I think I even already forgot the question you asked because that felt so important to whatever you asked. Yeah. Express. Yeah. No, I just, I wanted you to talk more about this generational dysfunction or wounds that get passed on and how we can recognize, oh, hey, like I, I might've got that from my mom who got it from her mom. You know, what are those, what do we do in those moments too? I hear this all the time where a woman will react in a certain way to her kids that she doesn't like, and she realizes I sound just like my mother. What's your advice for moms who find themselves sort of passing on something that they never wanted to experience themselves? Thank if you hate yourself for acting like your mom, nothing will ever change. You are continuing that self-hatred cycle that will be passed on to your children. Hmm. If your children see mom made a mistake 
she recognizes that that mistake was made and she says, I'm sorry. Like, can you imagine if your mom said, I'm sorry for what I did and like really meant it and corrected it in the moment and didn't say, I'm sorry, but it's your fault because you upset me. Imagine what that could do to your life as you grow up. I think it's recognizing and catching those things in the moment and not trying to hide it from your children. I love that example so much because when we are raised, even in a home where we have a mother who's incapable or chose to not own her part, never say sorry. We can literally pick that up because we never saw the two words, I'm sorry, modeled our entire lives. And so we can literally pick that up and not even know. It's not a matter of recognizing what we're doing wrong. It's it's not recognizing what like what we're not doing, which is saying, I'm sorry, owning our part for little things. That can be a really small thing, but you're modeling humility, confession, um, ownership of your part in a relationship and what you're bringing to the table, which then would impact your daughter. So I love that example because it's a really simple thing that feels like a switch that you can make, a change you can make. It's not ginormously huge. It's not, I have to go to rehab. It's saying, I'm sorry when you do something wrong. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think it's such a beautiful and simple approach, right? But I think in the moment, it doesn't feel simple, right? Because mm-hmm. These generational wounds, these mother wounds that have continued, um, Typically, they are hidden because there is shame. And shame makes us hide, right? And so I think it's really easy in those moments when you act like mom to immediately have shame and just shut it down, right? So it's almost like we have to fight against that knee-jerk reaction that we need to hide, hide our mistakes, hide our imperfections, um, just like our mother did. I talk to so many women who, before they have kids, the, I, I, I talk to them all the time and they're like, I'm not sure if I want to have kids. I feel like I could ruin them or hurt them. And, and I know that's coming from this deep place of their own experience of being hurt by their parents. And I'm curious what you would say to someone who's just, always so afraid of doing momming wrong like because they've had it done wrong what's your advice for them i've had these same thoughts and i would say if you're even having that thought that's huge like your mom probably didn't have that thought right like the fact that you're questioning how am I going to be a good mother means that your intention is in the right place, right? You're thinking, how do I serve these kids instead of how do these kids serve me? Mm. That's huge. That's a different mindset. Um, And I think that that's a mindset that wasn't really examples of past generations, right? For lots of different reasons. 
But even just the fact that you have that doubt means your heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily a bad thing to think. But don't let it hold you back. Right? It's a good word. I'm curious for people listening who have kids. And they so don't want to hurt their kids, and yet they might be hurting their kids. I think we all have the capacity to hurt our kids on any given Wednesday. At least I do. <laughs> um, yes. I think in a lot of ways, if we're being honest, our kids don't necessarily know how to communicate that we might be hurting them. They don't know um, anything other than what they're experiencing. They, they don't intrinsically necessarily have like this, like, you know, sheet on their bedroom wall or something or in their hearts. That's like healthy mom, unhealthy mom. And they can like label it. They might know what they don't like, but they don't feel they have permission to necessarily say, Hey mom, you're hurting me. So that's an interesting relationship that mothers have with their children because we're not necessarily getting a feedback form exactly. I mean, we get feedback in ways that maybe (laughs) we don't want to see, but we're not necessarily getting a feedback form that's like, oh, hey, like you're dysfunctional and your mother wounds are bleeding out onto me and you're wounding me. You know, our children aren't using those words. So I'm curious if you can kind of lay out some examples of what might be some indicators that we are wounding our kids. That's that's a tricky one, right? Because there's so many different personalities. Um, Mm -hmm. I think kids, I always, you know, when I used to work with kids and their parents, um, I would kind of explain that our kids are like holding up a mirror to ourselves right it's not exactly who we are but it's the reflection of who we are um and so i would just notice the relationship what you have with yourself first right how am i talking to myself um what are my habits what are my coping skills when i'm frustrated do i yell do i get mad at my kid because when they're frustrated they yell (laughs) Because they're probably learning that from somewhere, right? Um, But I think, you know, some not as obvious things could be your child keeping secrets from you for fear of what you could think of them. Hmm. Not going to you for problems that they're having with classmates, right? Um, I mean... Another thing, too, I think we often overlook the child that seems perfect. You know, there's always the kid that, oh, they got it together. You know, they're just Mm -hmm. fine, (laughs) right? And sometimes those are the kids that need the most help because they've learned how to overfunction. So I think that looks Mm -hmm. like creating really intentional time with your children. You know, are you doing things? Well, that's what I was going to ask you is what is a healthy relationship with our kids look like? What does it look like to give our kids permission to express to us that we might occasionally hurt them? I think it's how do you receive that? Do you argue when your child says, hey mom, when you said that, that hurt my feelings? 
well, it should hurt your feelings, right? Like I'm thinking of that response. <laughs> you, uh, you, I don't know, you left a, a dirty plate in your room and now there's ants all over your room. Of course I should be upset with you, right? Um, that's a normal response. Um, I almost wonder if every opportunity like that is a chance for connection. I think we often think that conflict is bad, but conflict is a really healthy and healing thing when done. Are you struggling with ongoing anxiety or occasional worry? We understand how difficult it can be to cope with these feelings, but there is hope. We've collaborated with five highly respected mental health professionals to create the five-week guide to help manage your anxiety. This guide is filled with practical and spiritual tools that can be added to your toolkit. With wisdom and support, we'll meet you where you're at and help you get to where you want to be. Instead of turning to self-numbing or escapism, engage in spiritual practices and life-changing reflections and add these tools to your toolkit. Don't let anxiety control your life. Let the Anxiety Guide be your companion on the journey toward healing and peace of mind. Get your copy today by clicking the link in the show notes. Yeah, I'm I'm curious because I love that that sort of perspective shift. You're reframing conflict for us. It's a chance for connection. So many of us are afraid of conflict because of our experience with conflict in our family of origin, right? Going back to mother wounds. Um, conflict can be frightening for some of us. Um and you're reframing it saying, hey, if you have conflict with your kids, it's a chance for connection. Can you give us some, when done right, can you give us some examples of what when done right looks like? Yeah, that is a great question. I think that a child that comes to you says, I'm hurting right? This happened. Um, they might not even know how to express it. And for the mm -hmm. adult to ask questions, to ask for clarifying questions. Well, when did you notice you felt that way? Um, was it something I did? Was there a way that you interpreted what I said? Right? Because oftentimes there's a message behind what we say. Right, like I'm thinking of my own reaction. Um, when I'm stressed out, I suddenly need everything in the house to be clean right away, right? Um, and I have to acknowledge that I'm looking for control in those moments. Right. And so that could be look like that could look like me saying, Hey, like I want these things done, but I recognize that's because I'm stressed out right now. It doesn't have to mm -hmm. be done, but I would appreciate it. And so learning how to communicate that vulnerability of your own experience is really important because you're mirroring, you're mirroring to your children what that should look like. I think what you're talking about requires a self-awareness that often we don't have because we are busy, because we're stressed out, because we're moving a mile a minute, because we... We're never invited into our own feelings, right? We were never given a permission slip to feel. 
And so, you know, since the theme of, you know, this podcast was throwing myself under a bus, I remember, I don't know, a couple of years ago when I ended up in the ER and long story short, uh, I had to have my gallbladder removed and the surgeon was my friend. And, you know, I remember him coming in and saying, oh my goodness, Willow, you had, they had so many, um, I had so many such a sick, toxic gallbladder. They had, I, I saw my stomach afterwards. And I had like way more scars than he told me I'd have because they couldn't get it out because they were so large and there were so many. And so he said, you've had these since high school. Well, I'm at this point in my mid forties. And he's like, you had to have been in terrible pain every single day for at least, you know, a decade or two. And it was this, kind of intervention on my life where I realized, yeah, I think I maybe have been in pain, but I don't, I don't pay attention to how I'm feeling because that was never an option for me as a kid. My pain was not on the table. I was never given permission to feel. So even when you think about like on a, on a physical level, not even paying attention to this terrible gallbladder pain. It it was definitely eye-opening, but I throw myself under a bus with that story to say, you know, we're talking about moms who don't want to hurt their kids. And I love that you're saying, hey, you know, conflict is a chance for connection when done right. And what doing it right requires is this self-awareness to say, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I'm losing it on you because I'm stressed and and so many of these mothers including myself have a hard time making space to figure out how we're even doing to be able to communicate to our own children yeah do you see what i'm saying yes. so what's your advice what's your advice for crazy ones like me kirsten <laughs> therapy no i'm kidding yeah um, well, i'm all about it yeah i mean therapy honestly um what i'm hearing you say willow is you're surviving, you're not thriving, right? Um, That's what I'm hearing that kind of come to Jesus moment was, was I was surviving for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think if you don't know how stressed you are, it's time to talk to someone. Just very transparently, because you're missing signals and cues from your kids, right? The expectation on women is insane. It is unreal. Somehow you were supposed to be a full-time mom, full-time worker, full-time woman in ministry, full-time partner. You're supposed to be a wife, I guess, too, on top of all these other things, right? There is no way you can meet all of those needs all at once. There's no way. The expectation sets us up to fail. And so we need to be the ones to say no. We need to know when to say no. And if we're not sure what's going on in our bodies, we don't know what we feel. We don't know how we're even getting through the day. It's time to ask for. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think paying attention. I think God gives us these invitations all the time, but we have to pay attention to them, right? My gallbladder was an invitation and I had to decide if I was going to RSVP, yes, right? So they happen all the time and we have to pay attention to them. I want to I wanna take a moment to think about our kids. So I, 
I want to think about kids who are living in homes where they're experiencing some pain and some hurt. I don't know. Maybe their parents are splitting up or um, they have a parent who um, shows them attention when they perform and doesn't when they don't, or they're welcome to the dinner table if they're a good little boy or girl and not when they're not or whatever. Kind of these, um, I don't even know that I should be calling them subversive and I'm not the therapist in the room here. You are. But what I mean by that is it's not, oh, they're getting beaten or, um, you know, the parent isn't coming home to them, but it's these other things that are hurting a kid. What are some indicators that we could see in a kid to go, oh, hey, I think my kid is struggling. I think there's something going on with my kid that I need to pay attention to. Yeah. Ooh, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, even as you're speaking, is parentification, where we expect kids to complete parental roles, such as being a therapist to mom or dad. I see that a lot of times in relationships mm-hmm. that are splitting up and the kids that are in the center. They're the ones comforting mom. They're comforting dad. They have no mm-hmm. idea what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really common one I see. Um, I'm just going to say this with as much love and compassion and kindness as I can. Your child is not your like your parent. They're not your therapist. You're there to serve them, right? So that they can do the same for their children someday. Um, mm-hmm as much love and empathy and compassion put your ego aside in your separation focus on what's best for the kids right what is going to help them succeed and i know that that's easier said than done and i know that that i'm i'm putting kind of a blanket statement on something that's very complex and very emotional and very hurtful and sometimes even healing sometimes let's be honest sometimes there's lots of freedom in separation um but don't put your kids in the center so children that are parentified right they try to fill these roles for their parents they're cleaning the house they are um making appointments for their parents they're doing things like that that's not okay expecting a child to care for a younger sibling when you know like a 12 year old taking care of a 10 year old doesn't really work (laughs) or a 12 year old taking care of a four-year-old And I know that there are some circumstances where there aren't any other options. Socioeconomically, a lot of women are put in really tough positions. Mm -hmm. So we have to acknowledge and love that. I'm trying to find those resources, right? But that's a whole other episode. (laughs) That's not something we can dive into. I've never heard that phrase parentified. Mm -hmm. I completely understand what you're saying and there's so many things hitting me both in my own experience and other people's experiences but so often and maybe I keep coming back to this you gave the example of you know a 12 year old taking care of a four-year-old what if you're a mom who that's that was your norm so you didn't even think twice about it I think I'm wanting, it's almost like I am wanting that, that piece of paper (laughs) that we can all put up on the wall. That's like, this is 
healthy like mom role this is unhealthy right like to expect this out of your kid isn't we don't have that list so so often our norm in our family that we're raising is the norm that we were used to as children and if we haven't done the work to recognize the ways we were neglected the ways that we were wounded the ways that we were mistreated or parentified, then we might not even know we're doing it now. So what are some healthy sort of practices we can put in place to keep getting healthier and healthier and more whole and more whole and growing so that we become more and more aware of what is healthy, what is not healthy? I think being really connected to a strong support system is really important. You cannot do parenting alone. You need a village. That's just the reality. You need help. Um, I know there are a lot of um, barriers to that, but I know that Clyde is a wonderful place to find people. Um, you know, a local church. Um, there are support groups for single moms. Even um, you can, I can try and find some and send them your way so that there's resources available. Um, mm. But you can't do it alone. That's the first thing I would say. Second thing I would say is therapy. You need therapy, right? If you know that your growing up was abnormal or is kind of weird or kind of strange, like go explore that, right? Explore why that felt weird or strange to you. Um, I also really want to be culturally humble too, right? Like in some cultures, it is normal for a 12-year-old to take care of a four-year-old. Right. So I, I want to be culturally aware that I'm talking about our Western culture here in the U.S. Um, and I can go into lots of details on different culturally aware parenting, things of that nature. Um, but our system isn't set up for a 12 year old to do that for a four year old here. Right. Um, but going back to resources, I would say friends, community. Um, whether that's your pastor, if they feel safe, they can help you get connected to the right people. Um, therapy, super important. Um, and the last one I would say is spend time with your kids in the way your kids want to spend time with you. Hmm. I know it's kind of frustrating when all they want to do is play chess or <laughs> like go run around in like the field or be crazy, right? But like, get on their level, right? Because that's how, those are the things they're going to remember. They're going to remember you sacrificing those moments for them. Kirsten, I could talk to you all day about this. I think there's so much to dig into, but I appreciate you making space to have these conversations with me. And I know there's going to be so many people who want to dig deeper. I don't know if you have any resources that you can recommend or books. And then how can people get a hold of you and your website? Yeah. Um, I'll start with the books. The first book I would recommend, I've never heard anyone say they don't like this book after I've recommended it. It's Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents by Lindsay Gibson. That's a fantastic mm. book. Um, another one is something called Mother Hunger by Kelly McDaniel. 
Um, I don't agree with everything she talks about, and it can be a little triggering reading it, but I think that it's a good resource to understand some of the subliminal ways that you can be impacted by your mother. Um, And about me, you can find me on Psychology Today. My name is Kirsten Van Wingerden. It's a very long name, (laughs) but if you look up trauma therapist in Bellingham, you can find me. Um, And then my website is bellinghamcounseling.com. Kirsten, I'm so grateful for you and what you do and the way that you're doing Jesus's healing work in the world. And I'm grateful that you'd share your time in order to help us find the healing that we need to. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you. And um, it's an honor to be here. And uh, yeah, I feel very humbled. Hey friend, I hope that you have enjoyed both part one and part two of this interview with therapist Kirsten Van Wingerden. I know that I certainly did. I was taking ravenous notes and throwing myself under a bus uh, both at the same time. And I really hope for you and for me that in our deep longing to be close to our kids, to be helpful rather than harmful, to love rather than hurt, that we would choose our own healing. Because every time we choose to become more whole and we say yes to God's invitation to get help and to mend, we're better for it. We're better moms. We're not bringing our past trauma and dysfunction and mess into our present mothering experience. And so I think the best thing that you and I can do every single day is to say yes to God's healing in our lives again and again and again. And I'm convinced the more and more that I get to know Jesus, that Jesus runs into our lives and collides with us. And every time he does, he heals another piece of us and another piece of us and another piece of us. And he invites us into that healing to participate in it. So I'm not sure how God is asking you to participate in your own healing, but I do know that when you do, it will make you an even better parent than you are right now. So friend, let's keep colliding and I'll catch you next week.